Welcome to Racket Fuel, where we launch into great conversations and share powerful tools to help you become a stronger rackets leader. Your hosts are Kim Bastable, a former All-American tennis player and now the Director of Tennis Management at the University of Florida, and Simon Gale, the USDA National Campus Director of Racket Sports. In this episode, we focus on managing our multi-generational workplaces, where racket staff can span from age 65 to 16. We'll learn how to manage that challenge with Dr. Tim Elmore, a best-selling author and expert in the field of generational study. Now, here's Kim and Simon. Welcome to Racket Fuel, where we have powerful conversations to inspire strong leaders in the rackets industry. I'm Kim Bastable, Director of Professional Tennis Management at the University of Florida, where I run the Director of Racket Sports Specialization and Certificate Program. And my co-host is Simon Gale, Director of Racket Sports at the USTA's National Campus in Lake Nona, Florida. Today, we are very, very honored to have a thought leader, author, and researcher, Tim Elmore, who is founder and CEO of Growing Leaders, a nonprofit organization created to developing emerging leaders. Tim has been in leadership education since 1983, and in just the last 10 years, he's spoken to more than half a million leaders of corporations and universities from companies like Chick-fil-A, Home Depot, Coca-Cola, Delta, and he's authored 35 books. He has a wealth of knowledge that we in the rackets industry need, on leadership, and today we're gonna to discuss the important content of his new book, A New Kind of Diversity. Everyone talks about diversity as gender or race specific, but there are more things to consider and Tim will explain. He does a deep dive into the challenges of age diversity in the workplace, which he says are a challenge that only 8% of the businesses even address. But it's very real, and it's very, very real in the rackets world, where we have many entry-level teaching professionals in their 20s, and their leaders, their directors of racket sports above them are often 50 or even 60. So we welcome Tim, and uh, we're looking forward to letting him uh, share his wealth of knowledge on this diversity challenge. Thank you, Tim, for being with us today. We look forward to this. Thanks, Kim. Great to be with you. So Simon, let's hear. You've read this book. You've started things out. You've, you've put this to, to, to work on your campus. What's your takeaway? Tim, I have to tell you, I, I'll be 100% honest, I don't read enough books, but this is one that I think the pressure of having to speak to you today, it forced me to read it. <laughs> but I really enjoyed it because it, it really resonated um, on a lot of levels. And I think the, the ability to read and stop and make notes and think about how this applies to what I do currently, what my, my fellow directors and leaders are, are dealing with on a day-to-day -day basis, as well as on a personal level, I have a millennial, so I feel like I'm a little more equipped to be able to have a decent conversation with her and understand where she's coming from as she, she about, is about to graduate and enter the workforce. So I think it's a great read. Uh, it's an easy read, and I think uh, you leave with, with a lot of great information. So thank you for your contribution. My pleasure. You know, Simon and Kim, I would say, I've gotten into more organizations who have an epiphany, and not as, it's not because I have some great information, but I think most of us don't realize for the first time in modern history, there are seven distinct generations alive right now because people are living longer and actually working longer, and moms are still having babies. We have you know the senior generation, the builders, the boomers, the Xers, the millennials, Gen Z. And then the alpha generation. So these are the younger children that we're just now 
beginning to measure. And I feel like we could be so much better if instead of colliding with each other, we were collaborating and learning and bringing out the best. And so that's the goal of the book is how do we really pull out the strengths of each of these generations? And and here's a phrase I'm using now. We need to turn frustration into fascination with each other. So that's my goal. So Tim, in, in you, know, you may have already just touched on it, but could you just summarize maybe a little more detail what this new book's about and, and kind of yeah. where it came from, from an inspirational point of view? Yeah. Well, you all, if you're on social media, listeners, you probably remember it was five or six, maybe seven years ago, we started seeing a little war break out on social media. So the boomers, I think, started it with hashtag how to confuse a millennial. And we were making fun of millennials that didn't know how to look up something in a phone book as if they needed to look up something in a phone book, you know. But then the millennials struck back with hashtag OK Boomer. Remember this one? This made it, it made its way around the world, really. And then, I mean, we started seeing millennials and Gen Z go after each other. We started seeing hashtag OK Karen, which is big right now. Gen Z is making fun of their Gen X mom who, you know, always asks for the manager at the restaurant and is always intruding on the high school principal to tell him how to run his school. It's actually hilarious if it wasn't so sad. So I began to think, okay, is this something that's real in the workplace, whether, whether it's tennis or football or restaurants or whatever? And it is. So age discrimination lawsuits are going up, Simon. I mean, uh, at, at, at WeWork and, and IBM and Marriott and other places. So anyway, I began to see that when we meet someone that's older or younger, it's easier to build a wall than a bridge. We just say, oh, you're different. I don't want to work at this. I don't even understand your language, Sonny, you know, kids today, you know. And so I really, really want to help readers build bridges because I can learn so much from, from a 24-year-old or a 21-year-old or whatever. And that's where I'm at right now is I got to learn from the young and hopefully I've got something to offer to the to the to to them as well. No, I definitely think there's plenty to offer. And uh, if you saw my book or your book that I, I, I put my little uh, post-it notes in, I went through a lot of post-it notes. There's a lot of reference points <laughs> for the future. So I'm honored. I'm honored. It was excellent. Um, <laughs> Good. Well, would it be fair to say, given today's landscape where you talk about up to seven generations and in the workplace, yeah. maybe there's you know, up to five of those that you're seeing yeah, in the workplace. Yeah. Would, you, would you say that this is one of the most difficult times in history to, to be a manager? Yeah, yeah, I really do. And I, and I know there's a lot of history I'm probably missing, but here's why I think so. Uh, the term generation gap actually has been around since the 1960s. Um, Life Magazine editor John Poppy coined the term there's a generation gap when the baby boomers were the young whippersnappers growing up, you know, and, and those parents didn't get these kids today. Well, back then, think about it. The screens that were in our life were, were public. In other words, there was one screen. It was a TV. It was sitting in our living room. We all gathered around the TV and watched I Love Lucy or the Dick Van Dyke show or whatever. We talked together. We laughed together. We were together. Today, we all have our own screen in our hands, do we not? And I can be in an echo chamber of just my people, my age, with my language, who vote like me, think like me, talk like me. And that's not helping us. We certainly don't get better. We just reaffirm our, I don't know, silo that we're in. So let me tell one quick story that I tell in the book that might be really illustrative of what I'm saying. 
Um, Simon, you might remember early in the book, I tell the story of Tony. Tony was a college student at Ohio University, and he took a part-time job while he was in school at a paint, a paint store. It was a major brand that everybody listening would, would recognize. While he was there working, he happened to start a TikTok account. And he started videotaping himself, mixing paints, and just doing crazy things with paint. Well, he built a tribe that went viral. He got 1.4 million followers and 37 million views. And he quickly thought, even though he's just 21 years old, I could, I could help this company monetize this. We could use this for marketing. We could reach another million people. We're not reaching. So Tony, as a kid, as and I shouldn't say a kid, as a student, puts this slide deck together to make a presentation to the executives. He pitches, would you guys be willing to hear this out? And Tony did not get one person interested in listening. Didn't get one set of eyeballs to look at the slide deck. Tony did get something he didn't anticipate. Tony got fired. Right. Because the leaders thought he was doing this on company time and he was probably stealing the paint from the paint store and probably distracting to the customers. They had all the wrong assumptions. And we do this, don't we? We're, us on this line, we're, we're veterans here. We've been around a few years. We tend to think the worst, these kids today. And so get this, Tony gets fired. Tony moves to Florida. He now has over 2 million followers and he started his own paint store. So this is a picture of what's happening. We don't understand the young. They wonder why we don't understand their great ideas. But don't they represent the future? In many ways, they do. I don't like it all. I don't get it all. But so I need to be listening as well as teaching and talking. I need to be a learner and a teacher. And, and Kim, I see you nodding. I, you believe this. You're on a campus right now that's all about teaching and learning. So anyway, I'll stop there. But I just feel like we've got to get this right. We don't have any time to waste We've got too many people to learn from, and we need to chuck the stereotypes and, and let them teach us. Oh, I love that story. I totally remember that book. When, I, when you wrote that in the book, I, I was just, you know, you're just almost stunned. Yeah. I mean, how could they be that short-sighted? But yeah. I suppose that's, that's not, sadly, I guess, uncommon. They felt threat versus, yeah. you yes. know, partnership. But, yeah. you know, I think that's what's so interesting. And what you do really well in the book is lay out the different generations. And it's been something to me that I've heard, you know, builders, boomers, X, millennials. Yeah. There's yeah. a little bit of like your head goes into spin mode and you're yeah. like, this yeah. is overwhelming me. But you laid it out well. And then you explained that the, the generations actually really have their tendencies based on life experiences. Yeah. Maybe they lived yeah. through terrorism or maybe they lived through Vietnam War, or maybe the World War II. And I love the way you lay that out. So, you know, I encourage the listeners to go get a copy of the book because we're not going to go through each one of those and give it specific as we just don't have time. But what was really telling was your story about NASA and what happened in 1969, which yeah. I think is the lesson that I wish that we would see going forward. Can you tell that story? Oh, I love this story. Thanks for asking. Um, I was stunned, and I know that's a strong verb, but um, when I heard this story, so everybody remembers that JFK, our president, early on in the 60s, made a prediction that we would put a man on the moon. Well, NASA didn't even have the technology to do such a thing. But at that time, NASA was, uh, was you know, in operations, but it, it, it just ignited everyone. Pardon the pun. It just ignited everybody. So they were bringing on some MIT grads who were recently, you know, out of college, but they knew technology, they knew computers, they, they were at home. The older guys that had been around there, guys and gals, but mostly guys, you know, 
said, oh my gosh, we don't get this. So there was the mentor generation that were 45 and older that were pouring into these young 20-somethings. But listeners, check this out. The average age of the operators in Houston that were putting a man on the moon was 27 years old. Jack Garman, the guy that actually was the final go instead of no to put Neil Armstrong on the moon, 23 years old. That's a year out of college. But they said the young were able to handle the excitement and the terror, all of it at once. And I'm thinking, oh my gosh, I see this today. They've got savvy. They are very smart. And um, so here's what I think we need to do. We need to combine the timeless and the timely. So I'm 63 years old. I have a lot of, well, I think I have (laughs) a lot of timeless wisdom. I'm not up on every new thing on TikTok. Sorry, I'm not. But you can come to me for some insight and from my experience, my stories. And listen, I'll listen to a 20-something that's got intuition. So there's insight and intuition. They bring an intuition on where society's going. They are a foretaste on where culture is going. So tennis coaches listening, we need to be listening to our students as well as teaching. Let's have a time where we're hearing them out and then we earn the right for them to hear us out. Do we have the badge on? Of course we got the badge on. We're the coach. But I'm telling you, I think we earn our right to share and impart our wisdom by by the listening to. And that is, it's a tremendous story. But my question to you, Tim, would be, was NASA, I mean, clearly they were very progressive for 1969. Yeah. <laughs> yes, that was very yes. progressive thinking. They, they had somebody yeah. in leadership or management who, who got this concept. But yeah. how do you think today's leaders and managers are coping with adapting to these generational differences? And, and, and are they adopting this yeah. NASA model? It's a great story, but how are we really yeah. doing in, in today's world? It's a mixture. Some are getting it and some are not. Um, Here's what I think I see happening globally. And I know you just asked my opinion. I'm just one guy. But as I get around to different countries and then different states, I'm noticing an older generation that would be me. So I'm a baby boomer having a very difficult time letting go of the controls. Um, I think they don't know as much as I do. And they probably don't. I'm afraid of losing power because I've been in power now for quite some time. I feel a little threatened. Kim used that word before. I feel a little threatened. In fact, I feel threatened that they won't succeed. I also feel threatened that they will succeed and I'm going to look bad. So um, I was just talking to a great young leader in Egypt earlier today. And he said, yeah, they're about to turn this over to me, but some of them are afraid to because I'm younger. And what if I don't get it right? So you know what we decided? He needs to, they need to practice at this organization, reverse mentoring. I love reverse mentoring. So listeners, if you haven't heard this term, this actually came from Jack Welch way back in the 90s when he was the CEO of General Electric. Reverse mentoring is when you get an older veteran, maybe in their 50s or 60s, and a younger rookie, let's say, in their 20s, and you put them together and they each swap stories. So you always find something in common, don't you, when you swap stories? But then the older obviously has something to share about how to succeed in this place. But then they switch hats. The mentor hands over the mentor hat to the young mentee and he puts the mentee hat. And he says, tell me how we could you know, use the latest app on your phone for marketing or how we could do this or that or the other. With How could we use TikTok better? So I think there's something to this reverse mentoring concept that can happen on a tennis court, on a college campus, in a workplace, in a healthcare system dare I say, in the federal government. Thank you very much. Um, the oldest, do you guys know that the, 
the average age in Washington, D.C., this is going to blow you away, is late 70s. I mean, our president, this is in all due respect, is 80 years old. When are we going to turn it over and get them ready? If we feel like they're not ready, we need to get them ready. I'm sorry. I'm on a stump. I'm making a stump speech right now. I need to quiet down. But I have got to get this right. And my peers have to get this right. The future is in our young and we've just got to get them ready. So. I like that. Get them ready. I think that's exactly yeah. what our program's all about at, at Florida. Yes, it is. We yeah. are getting that next gen, and then it is about letting go. I think. Yeah. Yeah. There's a certain amount of control, and yeah, for whatever reason that's occurring. Yeah, I, I yeah. totally get that. So, so what would you? You know, we are trying to build leaders here. So, what are those questions that leaders need to ask to be better at closing that generation gap? Are there, you know, what are, or what are, what can leaders do? Like what's an active, I like your reverse mentoring. Are there other suggestions? Yeah, 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 absolutely. I'll share a couple of things. And then I think some, and you, I'll let you jump in with your thoughts as well. So the, the simple acronym that I follow in my head, uh, and I've done this for years is a leg we have to stand on. So we've always heard that here's the leg you have to stand on. So it's A-L-E-G. Okay. So the letter A reminds me, I need to lead with asking. I need to ask questions. And I'll talk, Kim, in just a minute about how do we better ask the right questions that lead to a bridge rather than a wall. But um, I often want to start with telling or teaching or instructing because that's what I do. I I need to wait for my turn. And so if I ask a Generation Z young person or an Alpha Generation kid something, oh my gosh, they're they're blown away. So ask is the letter A. The letter L, listen well. So if I ask, I need to listen. Sometimes I think we ask only to wait for our turn to say something ourselves. And so if I listen, they feel heard. I heard a psychologist say one time, this is a great quote, being heard is so close to feeling loved that for some people, there's, it's almost indistinguishable. When I hear out a young person, they feel loved. And um, I know that's not our, we're not their parents, we're not their poppy or mama, but boy, does that go a long way when they feel heard. The letter E is empathy or empathize. So I ask, then I listen. If I empathize, now they feel not only heard, they feel understood. Even if I can't say, oh, I went through the same thing, I can say, oh, I bet that made you feel awful, didn't it? Or something like that. And then when I've asked, listened, and empathized, G is guide. Now I've earned my right to guide them. But I don't feel like I'm inserting myself or imposing myself. They're saying, coach, talk to me. What do I need to know? You know, because I've certainly heard them out. So this is hard for me because I love to talk. Have you noticed? But I need, I need to ask and listen and empathize three steps before I get to my step. Very, very good. Yeah. I mean, I think that's exactly what we, we definitely need to learn to do more of. And yeah, I don't know about you, Simon, but it feels like it's a struggle for people. We do have no shortage of talk when we're in leadership. <laughs> I'm still recovering from Tim's earlier comment where he said, at 50, you're a veteran. <laughs> I, I just turned 50, so I'm, I've now got to put better so next to my name. I wasn't ready for that today, Tim. But I, I do pick up on something is, is, is you read constantly about and, and see you know, quotes on, 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 on Instagram and places like that about surrounding yourself with people that are smarter than you and then allow them to, allow them to thrive. And it, it doesn't sound like we do that as well as we should. And, and, and is that harder to do across these these multiple generations and allow them to thrive versus the, the one size fits all management style and I'm yeah, the boss type yeah. mentality. So it's, it's interesting yeah. to hear that, but um, 
you know, I really, yeah, I'm still recovering from calling myself a veteran. I've got to be honest. So that's okay. I'm so sorry, Simon. I just put you in an older that's category. Okay. You I realize don't it's there. happening, but I just wasn't. Yeah, ready that's for right. It. Ready or not. So, Kim, back to your question on questions, specific questions. Let me give you one. Um, I've learned over the years, uh, especially with college students, uh, undergrads and grad students, and then my own children who are both millennials. Bethany is 34. Jonathan is 30. Um, I've learned that this question, it's not a rocket science question. Uh, it's not a racket science question. <laughs> I love your terms. But um, if I would just ask, what's your take on what just happened? So let's say there was a well, remember the remember the Black Lives Matters protests we all saw three years ago in the summer of 2020? So we all had an opinion, did we not? All 300 million Americans had an opinion on what that should have been and what that could have been and whatever. So there were marches going on and I watched and I participated, but I wrote a blog that I thought was a pretty good blog, if I do say so myself, on how to protest in a redemptive way, meaning in a way that's going to actually get something done. Do we break windows and shoot? No, we don't. You know. So I wrote the blog, but instead of posting it right away, I shared it with my daughter, Bethany, who always has an opinion on everything. And I said, would you read this? And so I basically, Kim, I was asking her, what's your take on what just happened? What's your take on what I said as your dad? She came back and I loved how respectful she worked to be my kids, we have a good relationship, but I could tell she was working to be respectful to this old man. And she eventually said, well, dad, it's a good article, but I'm just not sure we need to hear from another older white male. Hmm. Interesting, huh? And I decided not to post it. So it was not, I think what I said was stupid or bad. I still think it's good, but I knew there was a whole bunch of kids, well, I shouldn't say kids, younger people than me that might go, why don't you listen for a while, Tim? Why don't you just listen for a while? And maybe you don't need to give a commentary or uh, an encyclopedia on what you've learned, you know, that sort of thing. So again, I'm in my learning mode myself, but I was writing to myself when I wrote that book. I'm telling you, as I talked about the builders and the Xers, and I'm thinking, oh, I need to do this. I need to do this. So the assignment I gave myself this year is this. When I'm in a meeting, I want to speak as if I believe I'm right, but I want to listen as if I believe I'm wrong. It's a game changer. Yeah. Wow, that's powerful. Your story is powerful as well. Just the idea that it wasn't what you were going to say that had any offense, but it was just yeah. Yeah. maybe not the right time and place for yeah. voice. For me to say. And I, yeah. It just makes me think here, I'm about to ask Simon, you know, <laughs> what do you think about all this that Tim has just shared with you? And what did you, you know, I, you know, what do you think about what's just happened here in the last 20 minutes? But the reality is, you know, I mean, maybe, you know, the older person in the room needs to not say much. So anyway, Simon, well, what do you think? I mean, that's a, that's a pretty, that's an impressive idea. Absolutely. I mean, I, I think for me, transitioning to working at the national campus and having a, a team of 35 to 40, it's still a true representation of, of the generational gaps. There's just more of them here. And I, I think all tennis clubs are very similar that way. There's generational gaps and, and we're an industry that employs all, all of these generations. Yeah, and, right. and the older coach or leader has a lot of wealth of knowledge. It's an industry where you, you accumulate a lot of knowledge as a teacher. And we're in the relationship business. We just happen to teach tennis. And yeah. at some point during your career, I recall times where one of my great old friends, Coach Pat, who's no longer with us, he used to grab me and say, you're my leader, but 
just stop and listen to me for a minute. And he would tell me things wow. about customers and handling a situation and think of it this way. And, and at the time, it was more, well, I'm the director. I'm supposed to be making yeah. those decisions. And, and without him forcing himself on me, he found a way to connect with me and teach me some insight from his 20 or 30 years more experience. And I still yeah. use a lot of that today. So it was incredibly powerful and impactful, but I didn't even realize it was happening. So that ability that to, to, to mentor and develop and find constructive ways to do it versus mm -hmm. come here, I need to tell you how to do this. You're not doing yeah. it right. Yeah. Finding that communication style is something that I work on every day and, and mm. you're always trying to get better at it. But I look at my <laughs> team and I look at things like building a future leaders program that we have. But even I think about how I deliver that and I talk too much because I think we want to give so much information and help them, but I'm working on less talking more questions yeah. and more yeah. collaborative projects and things where they can shine. Mm. But that's an evolution of myself. So I think it is. Yeah. we just have so much we can do. And how, as I, as I listen and I read the book, I just sat there and said, I'm doing some good things. Yeah, I have yeah. a lot more I could do. And I'm excited about what the future holds with evolving as a leader and then yeah. really giving these young pros a chance to shine. And the beauty yeah. of this facility is that we have ample opportunity for them to shine in small yeah. leadership roles. And the goal has to be at the end of this, they're moving on and they're the next director at this club or that club. And they've got a stamp that says, somebody help me along the way, kind of like yeah. Coach Pat yeah. did for me 20 years ago. Yeah. So yeah, it's a lot. It's, I had all these notes written that I was going to say, but then I've listened for 20 minutes and it's like, okay, this is resonating slightly differently and even more than I thought. So uh, it's great conversation. Good. Well, I'm enjoying it too. Everybody listening to this podcast understands the terms serve and volley. And really, Simon, as you were talking, our serving up is a question, not a teaching or a lecture. But then we all know volley. If I serve up a question, any human being knows the volley back is, well, tell me about your, you asked me about me, tell me about, so it's going to we'll go both ways. Volleys keep going back and forth. But if we'll start the volley with a question, I bet they have a question to volley back. That's what we got to do. In, and it's, it is about relationships. You're right. Tennis happens to be the platform, but this is about building good people and building good relationships. I love it. Wow. I think you just served up some, some good transition there. <laughs> we are super thankful that Tim has agreed to come back and talk a little bit more specifically about the rackets industry in our next episode. So we will unpack the specifics to our challenge in rackets with, with Tim Moore. So we encourage the listeners to go get a copy of A New Kind of Diversity by Dr. Tim Elmore before you listen to the next episode and, and, and bone up on it like, like Simon and I, and I have both done. And, and we are excited for you to tune in next time. So thank you for starting the conversation, Tim, and we'll get back to this on our next episode. That's all for today, but we're not out of fuel. You can find more information and resources in our show notes and by visiting RacketFuelPodcast.com. If you liked what you just heard, please subscribe and also leave a review, which helps other people join the mission to become stronger Rackets leaders.
This podcast is a production of Athlete Plus, the people, stories, and science behind elite athletes and teams. Athlete Plus is the official podcast network of the Institute for Coaching Excellence, a research, education, and outreach center in the College of Health and Human Performance at the University of Florida. The Institute for Coaching Excellence offers various online certificate programs and degrees in partnership with the Department of Sport Management. Learn more today at coaching.hhp.ufl.edu.